This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages to the Winter is Coming Game of Thrones podcast. I'm your host, Razor, and I'm here tonight with Corey Smith and Corey Phone. Isis could not join us because of Shreveport. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a southern joke. You only get it if you live in the south. All right. So tonight we have a very special Take the Black podcast episode. We're going to be looking ahead of... God damn it, I did say podcast. Did I say podcast? <laughs> I really feel like you did. Let it roll with it. Who cares? Roll with it. Who cares? Really? Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's, it's a preview, so who cares? Yeah, it's it's, I mean, a, no- it's a preview podcast, which if you put two Ps together, you get a f- sound. So it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's Does anybody really listen to this podcast? You know who it should? I mean, honestly, the biggest problem is with the uh, Take the Black podcast brought to you by KFC Famous Border Bowls, KFC Famous Border Bowls, it's all your meals rolled into one like you're an Alzheimer's patient. It's just the best. And it's what really is if there's really any food that that can be, you know, the partner of this podcast, it's a bowl of mushy. Like I wanted you to take my crunchy chicken, right, and put it put it in a liquidy food like instant mashed potatoes to where not. Yeah. And corn and gravy, of course. And and I want you to just make the chicken as uncrunchy as possible, right? <laughs> and I want you to make I want you to make the potatoes somehow denser and more gel- like what what is it what is this, this is a word whenever they co- co- coagulated there it is congealed congealed yeah just if you could just do all that together and then put it in a black plastic bowl with a lid so that it steams itself and like put, and, and put that all in a bowl and cram it in. To where when you open the lid, it all pours out in your life. Right, and nobody ever orders that in the restaurant. You shame eat that in your car <laughs> at your apartment complex in the parking lot away from the, the apartment complex. You're like in the other end of the parking lot, and then you just sneakily put it in the trash and go inside. That is that is how that must be eaten while listening to The Cure. Anyway, so – well, listening to Take the Black Podcast. <laughs> Take the Black Podcast. Brought to you by KFC's Water Balls. What's so bad is this whole rant probably came right after an inappropriately placed ad for like McDonald's or Allstate Insurance. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. When you've eaten way too many Border Bowls. 
<laughs> Allstate, for whenever you hit the parking pole in your apartment complex and you need to replace your bumper. All right. That's way too specific. Someone just did that. <laughs> did you hit a parking pole like this no, week, David? I'm just talking about I know about shame eating in a, in a dimly lit apartment complex. <laughs> uh, shame eating in a dimly lit apartment complex. Name of your sex tape. All right, let's go. <laughs> All right. So tonight is a very special episode of our Take the Black podcast. And um, we're going to be talking about the preview for Game of Thrones Season 8, Episode 3. This episode has no name. And Corey Smith, if you take the, like, the, the black. If you Sorry. take the if you take this chance to say that you came up with this idea for your own, I did. I you plagiarizing motherfucker. Who did I plagiarize? I'm sure you plagiarized somebody. How dare no, you say this was your I idea? Fuck, no, on my death pool that I've been writing every fucking week, I always put an episode has no name, and then the second one I said an episode still has no name. This episode That's has funny. no name either. <laughs> That's like, actually it's really funny. <laughs> HBO is a bunch of assholes who just want yeah. us to like, and you know what? I'm kind of glad they don't give us episode titles because can you imagine all week writing a night of the seven kingdoms in your episode title? Like you only have like a hundred characters to get into that title. And it, I'm you just really... waiting for one of the titles to be like an always sunny in Philadelphia title. Like <laughs> the like, gang retreats to storm's end. Yeah. Or, or like the one where John dies or something, you know, like, cause so far, None of the I like. Why are you hiding Winterfell? Oh my God! They go to Winterfell. Sweet Khaleesi is pregnant. Yeah, like, <laughs> like I don't understand why they're hiding the titles yet. I mean, I got to think one of them is going to be a friggin' spoiler, you know. But I don't know. So David yeah. was it? I think it was David earlier that said they're going to release the like the title of this episode is going to be Endgame. Yeah. <laughs> Dan said that, but yeah. Oh, who was? Who said? Dan said that. Um, Dan, of course, Dan said that. Because Dan's smarter than all of us. Yes. Mm. Is he though? He's he's the sense of of. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody keeps telling us he's smarter than us, but I just don't see it. (laughs) Oh my god, we should have done this for Monday's podcast. God damn. But had fun. Sorry, yeah. I'm tired. I ran like a, a 5K before that podcast. I'm fat. I can't oh, do that man. shit. This is amazing. Okay, so let's 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 talk about Game of Thrones. I know that's what we're here to talk about, right? I don't know about you guys, but um, so this is the big one, guys. This is the battle for Winterfell, and goddammit, if that's the title, then thanks a lot, Game of Thrones and HBO. But this is the battle of Winterfell. Um. The really, this is like all the armies of the living except Cersei and her little bitch-ass golden company up in King's Landing. Her 20,000 people. Her 20,000 army. This is everybody else. The entire cast of Game of Thrones has, besides Cersei and Euron, have, 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 everybody's arrived at Winterfell and they're ready to fight what we think is the army of the dead, right? But if you think about it and you watch that trailer, the only thing – or the end of the episode, the only thing we ever saw was like a fuck ton of White Walkers. And I'll be damned if that ball-headed, bearded son of a bitch White Walker that handed the Night King the spear that killed Viserion in Season 7 wasn't like five horses down. So that son of a bitch 
is there at Winterfell to rub it in, but he's the one that handed the Night King the spear. But all we saw was White Walkers. We don't know who else is there. We don't know if the Night King is there. Corey Smith, you have a fun little theory. Do you think the Night King on Viserion is at Winterfell for this battle? Yeah, so uh, this is something I can't actually take credit for, um, for once. But oh, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, there's the theory running around that the Night King... The reason we didn't see him is because he took off to King's Landing. Um, he he's gonna ride down to King's Landing on top of Viserion and fuck shit down there, pretty you know, against an enemy that wouldn't be prepared for him, right? Nobody in King's Landing has Dragonglass. Nobody has Valerian steel, as far as we know. Um, they have the Golden Company, but they you know they're not expecting a ice demon on top of an undead dragon. Um, spitting blue flame. So, you know, I feel like he could do a lot of damage, especially if he raised the dead, you know, um, you know, because I got to imagine they got a cemetery or two laying around King's Landing. Um, so, I, I mean, the theory's out there. I don't necessarily buy it. Um, I mean, it makes sense, like, militarily and everything, but just kind of thematically, it doesn't make sense because if, if this ends up being... All our heroes squaring off against a bunch of dudes we don't know. Um, then what's the point? You know what I mean? Like, well, it's not the fact that they're squaring off with dudes we don't know. I know the ball-headed son of a bitch that handed the Night King a spear, but still, okay. that, that's it, a side. It, it would basically would be the ba- it'd be the Battle of Wakanda before Thanos shows up, right? Like a bunch <laughs> of you know, it'd be a bunch of guys we don't care about, a bunch of people dying, a bunch of people dying, a bunch of people dying. Like, we want to see Thanos. We want to see the Night King. Like, so I feel like the Night King just wasn't shown there. And maybe we don't see him immediately in the battle, but, you know, maybe he's hanging back to see kind of what tricks, you know, John and Danny have up their sleeves before he kind of swoops in on Viserion to kind of, you know, even things out or whatever. But, I, I feel like he's going to be there. I don't think that they're going to pull a huge rope up on us. Phone. Yep. It, I, I have seen nothing of Night King, right? And, like, Tormund and those guys, they rode around the army. Obviously, if you've got a big guy on a dragon sliding around, you're going to see him, right? I mean, isn't it obvious he's going to be around? And, I mean, sure, he could be hiding. He could be waiting. But has, when is the Night King ever hidden? Ever. I mean, for thousands of years, like it was. <laughs> okay, fine, fair yeah, enough, fair point. Fair enough, yeah. No, I, I mean, the the big thing is Tormund and them didn't want to see the Night King. They went far enough around and rode hard to get back to Winterfell, and before they did, because you know, even even a you know a, a, the the night the White Army, you know, they're not in formation or anything, but like it's they're gonna walk. It's gonna take a while to get that many bodies. They're gonna, sh- they're gonna shuffle their way down. Yeah, they're shuffling every day, and um, <laughs> that's a great joke. And every day I be shuffling, shuffling. Yeah, so stop. So there's. I have to. <laughs> there, I, I don't know. I I, I, I feel what? like. I feel like there are two very legitimate, and I think Smith Smith's points were 100% correct. That this that would feel almost like a cop out to have mm-hmm. the Night King and and the Dead Dragon thing, whatever his name was, not be there. Vasectomy. Like vasectomy, yeah, yeah. A little old little vasectomy wouldn't be there. <laughs> but 
it also would make a lot of sense if the Night King was confident that, you know, he could send half his army to Winterfell and win, go past Winterfell while they're distracted, you know, get focused on King's Landing, engage there, and then have reinforcements show up not long behind him. Yeah. Like that, and, and if, you know, if the survivors retreat to wherever, they're going to have them surrounded regardless. Like right, Brand right. or whoever. So, you know, it's one of those it's it'd be a really bold move. It's a pretty overconfident not overconfident, I mean honestly, numbers wise, Winterfell's fucked. Yeah. So I think we all know they're gonna lose. It just kinda depends on how bad it is and stuff. But I, I think it I wouldn't be surprised if the Night King isn't there, but I will be a little disappointed if the Night King isn't there. But but that being said, that just to me means we're gonna get another dope fight later on, so a dope ass fight. Like we know. Well, I don't want to get. I, I really don't want to talk spoilers. We know filming spoilers that uh, a lot of things happen at the King's Landing set. I don't know when it happens or how it happens or who does it. Shit goes down there at some point. But um, the living. I don't think. Here's my point. Here's here's what I'm thinking. I, I think that the Night King does show up. Um, and you know what, Smith? I loved your your Thanos Wakanda battle for Wakanda. Uh, comparison that was great because i think the night king has to be there for this to be the 55 night film shoot if this is the helms deep of game of thrones or the battle for Minas Tirith, whatever you want to call it if if this is going to be the big one then you got to have the leader of the white walkers there or it means it it just doesn't mean as much right John, that's 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 my point is that yeah it makes all kinds of sense for the Night King to go to King's Landing, especially if you consider, like John said, he's the key to the whole army. So why the hell would he be there anyways? You know what I mean? Like go where they're, if they're expecting him there and they're trying to trap him, don't even show up. Right. right? right. So yeah, it makes all kinds of sense and logically, but just from a storytelling standpoint, if the Night King doesn't show up, then yeah, it just loses its weight. And yeah, if you're trying to make this your, you know, the pinnacle or your showcase or whatever you want to call it, you know, then you have to have your primary villain there. You can't just leave it to a bunch of, you know, random white walkers and a bunch of undead people that we don't know. So Okay, so we're going to talk about characters we think are going to live or die in here in a few minutes. But, but I want to ask you really quick, there's this big uh, debate going around the, the Internet, especially on our, our sister podcast, Take the Black Live. Um, that Daenerys and Jon might have hard feelings towards each other and not fight in unison during this battle. Do you see that happening? No. Not I think at it's all. just a, I don't I don't see it either. I think it's no. I think that's I think that's I don't want to sound like an ass, but I think that's people that have ulterior motives to wanting to see that happen. And I I think that the look that John and Danny gave each other when they got out on the battlements uh, was a look of whatever we were talking about before is on the back burner right now because we have right. a plan. We have to go. The dead are here and it's time. And I, I think a lot of people are reading into like in the preview when Danny's like the dead are already here or whatever. Yeah. Are, are saying, oh, they raised the dead in the crypts. I don't know. They might do that. But that to me sounds more like. Um, we can't talk about that right now, John. The dead are here, and yeah. and it's, that's I, what I that's what I think it's going to be in reference to. 
I agree. And, you know, John even says in the trailer, the Night King's here. Or the Night King's on. He says something about the Night King being there. And and I don't know. A lot of people are saying that's a misdirect. Like, maybe he doesn't know the Night King's there. He just assumes he's there. And Danny's saying the dead are already here means Danny wants to uh, abandon the plan that they have protecting Bran and go fight with her people in the battlefield. Which, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I think it's more strategic. The strategery of it all would be smart for Danny to take Drogon to the field and burn the fuck out of the whites while John hides in the Godswood or outside the Godswood with Rhaegal to protect Bran. That would be the smart play because the un- you know if the Night King is there on Viserion, then he's it's going to be dragon versus dragon, uh, Jon Snow versus the Night King, and you know we already know that the Night King is. Knows about John. He's honed in on John. John knows about the Night King. So I think it's safe to say it might be actually a fair fight between the two. I don't know, but um, I think it's kind of bad form, bad uh, strategic planning on on John's part to put both dragons behind Godswood. Corey Smith, you agree? Yeah, I think I think we're gonna see kind of the dragons on both sides. They're you know like they're your 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 queen if this is a chessboard right you know they're your your ace in the hole so i think especially if i'm the night king and i realize that winterfell is prepared for me i'm gonna throw all those whites you know that i've got hundreds of thousands of i'm gonna throw them at them first and find out you know like you throw your pawns out there find out what's going on find out what they've got in store see if i can you know take out a couple important pieces here or there, but you know what I mean? Like, I feel like both sides are going to hold the dragons back to find out what the other side's got in store. You know, so basically the dragons are the knights. Okay. Bobby Fisher. Thanks for that. Uh, appropriate. Uh, yeah. Breaking down. <laughs> breaking down. Um, let's talk really quick, uh, about, um, this, this whole thing where people are talking about who will like, You've seen the board. You've seen you've seen how Winterfell looks against the dead, right? Like they're properly fucked. Like you've got all the dead, all the um, all the White Walkers, and probably the Night King facing Winterfell, and you've got and you look at that 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 map that was on the table. You've got a battalion of the Unsullied, and if you looked at the trailer, in in front of the Unsullied are the Dothraki and probably the Knights of the Vale. I would say ride with the Dothraki on horse, and then you've got Brienne on on the left flank uh, with Jamie and Pod. I'm not sure where Tormund fits into this. He might be on the other side, on the right side of the, of the battlefield. Um, but you've got to divide your warriors up equally. Your heroes have ha- have to be divided up. Um, so if I'm kind of worried, let's go ahead and just talk about it really quick. I'm kind of worried out of these heroes. Brienne's side, the, the the middle and the right side of this of this front flanking attack fr- coming from the Whites and the White Walkers. Who are we most worried about? And I want to start with, God damn it, Jorah Mormont because he pretty much said all of his goodbyes. Right? We already talked about this on Monday night. Jorah Mormont had his big. He told Lyanna Mormont, uh, "You're you're the you're the last of our house. Uh, you know, you're you're the future of our house." He wanted her to stay down in the crypts and all that good stuff. So I'm really worried about Jorah. Plus, he's going to be on horse. He's going to be out in front. And you know what? I'm kind of kind of worried about old Jorah. 
Anybody, any, anybody else before we get into other things? And I'm, this is not the Deadpool. I want to know one character you're most worried about. Whether you, mm. whether you, you know, who are you worried about? Saying. I see what you're saying. I'm always worried about my boy Tormund. They have toyed with his death. I don't know how many times now. And every oh, time, so I'm many like, times, I'm like, what? I know that he has to go at some point, right? Like he, ha- but but then you know what his biggest plot armor is? Is there isn't another wildling with a name? at this point he's the only one so you know i i don't i don't know i i would love i would love for some fan service at the end of the show for Tormund to be alive and to be given like fucking high garden or something (laughs) i know he take the wildlings go go you know till the land and make us food and you know once of course it's still gonna be winter but like yeah that's you know that would be great, like Davos getting a, a castle. All those things would be great. But you know what I want? I want Tormund sitting on a throne, like Conan the Barbarian, at the mm-hmm. end of the at the end of the series. Yeah. Here are the lamentations. <laughs> of the the lamentations. Women. Yeah. No, I, that's my that's my that's my vote. It's Tormund just because I love. I think that guy, like he's you know, he stole he stole two scenes in in an episode that was chock full of you know when he tackled John was hilarious, <laughs> and then him. You know, at the fire, he was one of the standouts. And then when Brienne gets knighted, his clapping is is one of the most sweet moments of the show. I just genuinely he's sweet. So, he's so great, you know. So I, he's such a great actor, and such he's got such a great grasp of that character, and they they write him really well. So I'll be sad if he goes. I get it, but I'll be sad. Smith, who who are you most worried about before we get into other things? Um, I'd probably say oh. the ha- the hound. Ah, good choice. Um, you know, I think we see that trap, that shot in the trailer of him and Beric inside Winterfell, and they're they're sort of, uh, you know, they they're on guard. So it seems like, and, and we can talk about whether the dead are going to rise from within the crypts or not. But um, I mean, he just, I mean, he's a character I've really connected with. He's my uh, spirit animal, whatever you want to call it, um, and. You know, we we talk about Clegane Bowl, but I don't feel like that's something that really has to happen on the show. Um, I mean, I want to... Wait, 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 wait. So you don't get hyped? I, I get hyped. I want to see it. I think it'd be a great sh- uh, showdown between the two brothers. But let's be honest, it's not something that has to happen for the plot, the overall plot of the... Of the, of the story to wrap up. You know what I mean? And so I'm very nervous for him. Um, There was a shot in the original trailer, too, of of him kind of looks like his back's up against a wall or something, and he looks, you know, scared as fuck. And, um, I mean, there's going to be fire everywhere, and we know that's kind of his his thing that he doesn't do really well. Um, He's legit triggered by fire. Right. And so, yeah, I'm really kind of worried about the hound because i think he's one of the more interesting characters on the show and um yeah i'll be really sad if he goes as opposed to some of the other characters okay let's talk about what we we three and i really was which i uh i can't say anything right now without spilling myself i really wish isis was here because she would have some great commentary as well but I want to talk about our expectations for this episode because I feel like we kind of represent 
like right now, the entire fandom has high expectations for this episode. Like I've been on Twitter and I've seen everybody talking about like I can't even watch this episode. I'm gonna have to watch it with like one eye open and the hand cover my face. I, I if this character dies, I'm gonna fall to pieces. I'll quit watching. I've seen people on Reddit go nuts. Everybody's got their own theories. Like this is probably, and I you know you know, I can remember other episodes being pretty hyped up. Like you know the Battle of Bastards was very much looked forward to because. That was um, the first time during filming of season six that we actually saw Kit Harrington on set. And so we knew Jon Snow, even though Game of Thrones said he was dead, HBO said he was dead, D&D said he was dead, Kit Harrington said he was dead and never coming back. We actually saw Kit Harrington on set at St. Field filming Battle of the Bastards. So it was one of the most hyped up episodes that we had had in the six seasons of the, of the series. But now we've got this battle for Winterfell. And it's all anybody can talk about, including the cast and crew of the show. And I just feel like our expectations are at Avengers Endgame high right now. Uh, Thone, where where are you expectations-wise? They're pretty high. You know, they – it isn't just fans building this up. You know, the actors, the writers, the showrunners, HBO, they've all, you know, played into this – you know, Helm's Deep, you know, biggest, there's our Lord of the Rings reference, <laughs> biggest uh, battle scene in TV, maybe movie history, longest battle scene. You know, we filmed for however many straight days, like 50 or whatever straight days, and it was a living hell for our, our actors and our crew, and we got through it and all that. Like, they've leaned into that. You know, it isn't just us. And it's an 80-minute episode. Yeah. So it's not just us hyping it up they are also hyping it up so they're pretty confident you know they got sap whatever back to direct the episode and he's sapo has proven that he can he can really he has a really good eye behind the lens for action and stuff and for pacing that's the thing that you know should worry people is even though it's 80 minutes right there are a lot of characters and if we're going to kill them off we can't just cut to someone dying. Like we have to, the yeah. pacing's the pacing's going to be real tough. So I am trying to taper my expectations a bit, not because I don't think it's going to be good, but because I am prone to overhyping things. And I, I, this is just such a huge undertaking narratively, just in terms of store, like filmmaking. This is just huge. So it's, you know, we've never seen anything like it, you know. I agree. I, I'm the same way. I overhype things. I get super excited about movies, and I go in, and they end up being crap. I end up getting mad. Then I end up defending the movie because I overhyped it in the first place. And you already rode that train in, and you can't get off. Anyway, um, yeah, Corey Smith, this is supposed to be – you know. You write it, Wick. You've seen all the spoilers. You've seen all the filming things. What are your expectations going into this? Oh, I mean, mine are sky high. Um, I mean, from just everything they've said from filming for 55 nights to how they talked about, you know, they made Winterfell, the, the set, they made it like a actual castle so that they could film in every single direction. You know, they didn't just put up a backdrop and film in front of it. They, they wanted it to feel like you were right inside the castle, even as a, you know, as a, a cast member. So that they could film in every single direction, right? And they've said 
This is the longest continuous battle scene um, in movie or television history. Um, you know, I think because I think Helm's Deep clocks in at around 45 minutes or something like that. Jesus. And, and they said this is longer than that. Um, and they even went to that scene um, specifically to um, kind of figure out how to pace it to where people don't get battle fatigue is what they said. Yeah. Uh, you know, because that really all this heightened, you know, I mean, there's only so long you can sit there in like a heightened emotional state um, without just like getting burned out and Exhausted. not caring. Right. And not caring towards the end. So they, you know, they said they watched that for, for pacing ideas and things like that. So, I mean, my expectations are sky high. I mean, they've built this up to be their seminal you know, moment of, you know, of the series. And so I'm fully expecting that that's what I'm going to get, you know, that this is going to exceed battle of the bastards or hard home or any of the other, you know, wonderful episodes that we've gotten throughout its history. So, yeah, I mean, I, I could not be, my expectations couldn't be any freaking higher. I've got a group of people coming over for the episode so we can all like, you know, cry and hug each other afterwards and, <laughs> you know, group therapy. Cause normally, you know, you watch it. I watch it at the house with, you know, with my wife or, you know, maybe one or two other people, but we've got a group coming over and, you know, cause we want to, you know, we feel like we're going to need some support afterwards. So you're going to commiserate with the death of your favorite characters. Yeah. And I mean, cause it's, it, I feel like it, it really is going to be that episode that they've been promising us. And that they're going to deliver on what they've been promising. So I'm yeah. looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a fantastic. I mean, look at this. I mean, when was the last time we did a preview episode for a preview podcast for an episode? Never ever. So yeah. I, so I agree with you. I agree with you on this. I, you know, last our last podcast, we talked about how if you watch the game revealed after the show, there's sometimes you can look for clues about who might have. Who, who might have died? Who might live through the show? I would if you if you want to go into this episode completely blind and and just be surprised by everything. Don't go watch the game revealed for uh, a Night of the Seven Kingdoms if you haven't done so. Just don't do it because you can take the clues from there. HBO kind of has screwed. They screwed up. Bone, you you said in chat the other day they screwed up. Yeah, effective already. they they legitimately and and. I'm not that pissed because I don't give that much of a shit about spoilers as much as others, but I do to some degree. They ruined True Detective with with the behind the scenes shot. If you Absolutely. haven't seen if you haven't seen True Detective season three, plug your ears for the next sixty seconds. Three, two, one. They showed the rich chicken man's daughter in a behind the scenes shot in the cave where they found the son's fucking body. They yep. showed that shit. In a preview shot, and it meant nothing at the time, but in episode two, we saw a picture of her in that exact same outfit, and it was like, well, son of a bitch, we know who took the kid. And so <laughs> between that and IMDb, like, like character stuff, that, that season, which was an excellent season, that season was spoiled by episode three, and yeah. it was it was a real bummer. Uh, so anyways, so HBO is getting sloppy with that shit. Yeah. They need to lock it up. <laughs> We're like three days away. Lock that shit down. Because you know on Sunday, one of the carriers are going to fucking leak it early. <laughs> yeah. You know that shit's going to happen, man. Like, 
honestly, as as a writer for, for, for Winter is Coming, I want it to leak early so I can get all my articles out of the way for the night. But then there's the innocent fan part of me who just really doesn't want it to leak at all. I want everybody to experience it at the same time. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want, I, I want everybody to go, oh, my God, at one time and break the Internet. That's what I want. But although I, I heard a little a little rumor that you won't be watching the episode when it airs. God damn it. So public a, shame. Shame. There's, there's a really awesome band for those of you out there listening called The Dip. And they are, nope. I guess you call them new retro. They've got a horn section. They do like, uh, they do, you know, a pretty. Hey, Smith, if you could just shut the fuck up for a second. Uh, it, they do. Uh, I have a CD. Five, see, yeah, what are you, 80? Did you get that through Columbia Record House? <laughs> Regardless, they're a great band. We found out they were coming to Kansas City. They, they announced their tour back in January. We bought tickets for the KC show. They're probably uh, playing somebody, somewhere nearby the night before. The so, nearest, the nearest place, the nearest place they're playing here is Tulsa. We're not going to Tulsa to see the Dip. I love the Dip, and I'm excited to see them. But I'm not driving to Tulsa to see them. I wouldn't drive to Tulsa for most things. But uh, this is so true. <laughs> yeah. So. Listen, Kane's Ballroom is great, but that's about it. So, yeah, we're going to – the concert starts at 7 uh, in Kansas City or at 8 maybe, which is about an hour from where we live, 45 minutes. So we're going to be late watching it on Sunday night. We're still going to watch it Sunday night. I'm just going to – I've already put in – I'm not coming into the office till 10 on Monday morning. <laughs> so Stay off social media, my friend. I mean, I'll be at a concert, so I'm not going to be on my phone. On the way home, make sure make sure, your, you. make sure your sweet wife doesn't get on the on the internet. <laughs> she will. She can't help it. So she'll she get can't spoiled. Help herself. <laughs> between between that and Endgame, which we also like like two days ago, we're like, oh, we should look for tickets. Even get and uh, there's three theaters within 30 minutes of us. And unless you want to <laughs> sit in the front row, you ain't going. So I was like, well, I guess we're just gonna wait. So I'm gonna get spoiled for both Game of Thrones and Endgame in the same weekend, which is just super rad. You bunch of dicks. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna see it tonight. I mean, uh, I'm gonna watch it on Saturday. So, uh, I mean, yeah. it's playing in theaters here tonight. You don't have to pretend like you're not going to the theater. I'm Fuck. not going to the theater tonight. Fucking pirate. I would you never do that. You are a pirate. <laughs> I officially denounce that. I do not partake in that practice. I officially say it on air. Anyway, nobody believes me. Okay, so we talk about expectations. We are all excited for this to happen. I don't feel like the air is going to be let out of the tires on this one. But here's my one concern. 80 minutes, right? So... We've got to have some shots of people talking a little bit, some exposition, some some conversations. Smith, do you think we might just eighty minutes into this fucking episode, maybe like maybe bef- maybe like thirty minutes into it before the real shit kicks the fan, we go cut the King's Landing and Cersei's like talking to somebody, or does it stay at Winterfell the whole time? Uh, I mean, if we do King's Landing, it's before. I think right. once I think once we lock in like they did uh, with Battle of the Bastards, right? right we also right. got how you know Danny and Marine and all that. If we do if we do King's Landing, it's before everything 
goes to Winterfell because I feel like once we're, you know, once we hit Winterfell, we're locked in and that's all we're going to get for the rest of the episode. So I feel like this is the Sapo episode. I feel like they're not going to throw in like leftover Nutter episode into Sapo's episode. No, I mean, we'll get something in King's Landing, although I don't know what we would really. I mean, like, what are we? We're going to check in and start seeing like, hey, the Golden Company's still here. Yeah, they're still here. I mean, like, what else? What are we gonna get? What I mean, um, she's not doing anything down there. She's but still wait. mad about elephants, right? So I mean, I don't know how much time we're gonna spend down there if we did. Um, but I can definitely see during the battle. I mean, we kind of saw there's the one shot of John and Danny up on the hill. So I think we'll get some small breaks where people are talking and we cut away from the action, you know, direct action. And, you know, I don't know if you remember back, um, like, Battle of Blackwater, right? They kept checking in with Cersei and Sansa, who are in the the Red Keep. And that's that's why they put characters that are talkers in the crypt. Right. And and I, that's one of the biggest reasons that I'm not sold that the the Stark dead will rise in the crypts. Or at least is because, you know, they're going to use that to as a palate cleanser. So if they do rise, it'll be later in the episode, I guess. I don't know. It makes sense from the rise, but also I know that we've seen, you know, whites that are mostly scalable, you know, but also I think it's safe to assume that they were probably raised when they weren't and they have just deteriorated as they've, you know, even though they've been up North where the cold slows it down, they've been moving about and they've deteriorated and cracked and they're just getting more and more scalable. I don't know if just straight up bones can be reanimated. So I know that Smith's done a lot of research about like, you know, Winterfell's cold, <laughs> but also, but he also super scientific on this one, but also, yeah, you know, science. They, have, they also have that super warm spring and stuff under there that keeps it warmer. So the crypts are probably warmer than Look at you getting all book knowledge on yeah. me. So, I just uh, I'm, on the, I, I'm on the fence on that too. I, I'm I so on the fence sure. about it because it makes sense in concept, but also does it? Like I don't does know because because the thing is, if they're Ned is headless, so I I don't know there that would just almost be comical, right? To have like I would laugh. Ned. I would sincerely laugh because the, because he's not gonna be able to see anything. Yeah. Oh so so God. it would be like if you remember Hocus Pocus when Homeboy got his head kicked <laughs> off. That's what it would be like. <laughs> so I, I and if it, it can't and Rob is also headless and I don't even know if Rob's in there. I know Cat's not in there. Um, Rickon is in there. So I guess Rickon rising. That might be if anyone is the one chasing Arya and freaking her out. It might be Rickon. Rickon. See, whatever. like I made that joke in chat today, and Sarah, who's gonna be joining us uh, for our podcast next week. Uh, if she's able to, um, said, yeah, if, if Rickon does rise in the crypts, just stand a little bit to his left and you'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> They're Kids, 15! <laughs> <laughs> Leslie Jones is my favorite person in the world. All right, so, um, yeah. Gonna, Smith said he has a good lead-in to the Deadpool hey, let's, thing. Let's talk about the lead-in Smith's going to give a lead-in to. I hear that Smith has a lead-in for the Deadpool. I'm going to segue to Smith rumor, to, li- to lead it in. Survey says. Survey says. Uh, okay, so just before we get to the, to the Deadpool, I just want to preface this all by saying we've gotten like literally one shot 
one two second one shot opportunity no, to not on. miss our chance. Yes. To blow. No. <laughs> yeah. That is why Corey Thun is on this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I was gonna say we've only gotten one two second shot in a trailer of anything past this episode. Opportunity so, only comes once in a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lose yourself or I forget how the song goes. Um, you totally blew it. I know. Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia. Um, I, so I just think all I think we have to when we start looking at who's gonna live and who's gonna die, we really have to pretty much say all bets are off because we haven't, you know, like with a lot of the other battle scenes, we've seen stuff where we kind of know. XYZ survives, but we've we haven't seen anything past this episode. And I think that's very intentional. Um so I think that you know, and as smart as we are and as much as we talk about this and how much we examine every little shot and this and that, I, I have to believe that there's gonna be at least one death that we don't see coming. Um that might have some storyline still to wrap up in our eyes, but that they decide to kill off during the battle and wrap up some other way. So, so your big leading was all bets are off. I'm pretty impressed. I, I'm not going to lie. I just thought it was. No, no, I, I, I think we have to go into that. <laughs> I'm with kidding. The, I'm joking. No, I, I think we do have to go into it with that mentality that someone like, and again, we'll get into, but like, like, let's just say Jamie, we all expect Jamie has this, has unfinished business and a plot arc still to do with Cersei, right? But I I have to believe that the writers have some other plan to explain Jamie dying in this episode. And again, an example that we don't necessarily know, i.e. that they're, they have a better idea of how to wrap it up than the idea that we have in our heads. So other than the two people we've seen in the one shot past this episode, I think we have to assume that anybody can die. So I guess that's my very with short that, lead. In. With that being said, phone, you've got a nice little Deadpool going here and I would like you to talk to us about this. Sure. So we, we basically have a list here starting with, you know, John, Danny Sansa, Arya, brand, Jamie, Tyrion, Brienne, Gendry, the hound, Theon, Samuel Davos, Tormund, Jorah, Masande, Grey Worm. The dragons aren't on here because I don't think either one of the, I, I don't I don't think either one of them are going to die here, right? I think All right. So, um, starting at the top of the the list, honestly, could be a lot of fun. The the top two, John and Danny. I, do we need to talk about that? Surely they both live. They, this, they, right? I don't think I think their plot armor is too thick for them to die in this episode. Maybe one of them gets wounded. Or something, but I don't think you see either of them die, Smith. Yeah, and I mean, and spoiler alert, uh, they were the two people we saw in the one scene past this, right? We saw them standing in front of the fireplace on Dragonstone. Ah, yes, good point. So, could they be? Could that have been a fake scene that they filmed? I mean, sure, we know they did it for this. For this episode but yeah i mean i tend to lean that both of them their plot armor yeah is too thick and that there's the story i mean they are the two main characters and i just don't see them dying this early um i i think i i don't think both of them survived the whole series but i think they've survived this episode 
Okay, so going from John and Danny, we've got uh, sorry, I had to pull up here. We've got Sansa and Arya are next. Now, um, had you talked to me before season eight started, I would have absolutely said Sansa would probably die in this battle. Um, because although I have liked the character much more as from season five till now, um, I've not always been the biggest Sansa fan, and I just thought she was useless and and we talked about it. They, the writers kind of forced her smartness on us. Her, 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 her genuine leadership was written into the show and kind of forced on us. But I like her now. I'm totally on Team Sansa. I don't think she dies. And Arya, we saw in the trailer that she is a little badass. She's got her new weapon. Um, but she does get chased, and she's very fucking scared, so maybe put a question mark by Arya phone? I'm pretty firm in the Arya lives camp. I don't think any of the Starks die in this episode. Um, I Ooh, think there's... Hard disagree. We're gonna get to that, though. Okay. Ooh. So, I, uh, if one dies, I think it's Bran. So, yes. that's, okay. I, I just, wow. uh... Because he can't get away. Because <laughs> his wheels and wheelchair aren't all terrain, motherfucker. He's he's done. You think oh Theon can stop that shit? Hell no. So uh, <laughs> it's yeah. I I do think that um I don't know. I think Arya is gonna get away. Um, I I do think shit's gonna go down in the crypts one way or the other, and that it's gonna be a lot of dead people down there. But I think that Arya gets away along with a few other people who are in the crypts. So. I want to talk about Bran. I just think you guys are off your goddamn rockers. Um, maybe, maybe I'm maybe I'm taking the a misdirect wrong. Maybe the fact that he said last episode that he embodies the memory of mankind and that the Night King has tried to kill many three-eyed ravens before him, and so the whole point of protecting John, uh, Bran with two dragons is to keep the Night King from killing Bran. And if you kill Bran, then you, you force an eternal night on the land of the living, right? So I just don't see the three-eyed raven dying. Um, I, I think it's too it's too big. But you know what? God damn it, I'm getting scared now because, Smith, you mentioned it earlier. What if they throw that death in there that we completely don't expect? Yeah, I mean, I, I do think there's going to be one that we don't expect. But also, you know... <clears throat> When you when you talk about Bran's thing about how the Night King's been trying to kill the Three Eyed Raven for hundreds or thousands of years or whatever, you know times have changed since then, and you know we see institutions like the Citadel, and you know most of the castles have libraries now, and I feel like Bran could die, and the memories and the knowledge of of mankind would still go on, right? I mean, even Bran had to get the the book from Sam from the Citadel. Right? So I don't feel I feel like things have changed since then and that it wouldn't necessarily be the the dire uh consequence that Bran makes it out to be. The the other point I would raise is that Bran has repeatedly said, How do you know there's not there's an after? How do you know there's an after? You know, how do you know we survive, et cetera, et cetera? He could very well just be talking about himself. I will you know say I mean? this. I will say this, and those of you who might not want a potential spoiler, turn away now for 30 seconds. Three, two, one. Isaac Kempstead Wright was on 
Conan O'Brien, and he told Conan that he was at Conan asking what he took from set, and Isaac Kemp said, "Right, said I waited till the very last moment. I procrastinated, and I couldn't get my wheelchair through customs, so I ran around the set picking up bowls and spoons from the set, like authentically made bowls and spoons they did for Winterfell. That's what he took home from set from his last day of filming. Now we also know Game of Thrones doesn't film in order, but if Bran dies in this bat in this in this episode, and it was his last day on set, and he ran around grabbing bowls and spoons for uh, mementos and keepsakes, then that makes sense. Yeah, and uh, well, okay, and here's my final point with with Bran dying, right? Okay, and this kind of goes to the general theme of the episode. If and, and we'll go down all everybody on the list, but somebody big has to die, right? And if if we just end up with like Podrick and friggin' Jorah and I don't know Grey Worm, you know what I mean? Those that's not like change the you know the the map of Westeros big, right? But Bran dying would be a big death. He's a Stark. That's so he gets extra points for that. And also it would it would raise the stakes for the rest of the season and the series, right? If the because three-eyed that, raven's dead, now they're down their biggest weapon. Right. And if, I mean, think about, like, not only did we lose, but, like, we lost Bran. How are we going to win if we just lost, you know, Bran? He was our, you know, our biggest weapon, et cetera. Like, we literally just saw our big gun go down. And, you know, what are we going to do now? We don't have anybody to tell us what to do and da-da-da. So I feel like it would raise the stakes, for the rest of the for the rest of the season, so I'm pretty set on the fact that Bran dies, you know, before the episode leaves. And also, I I just can't expect that their whole plan of having Bran hang out in the Godswood with Theon watching his back is gonna work. This poor planning, right? Like that's their big plan. Like, oh, we'll trick the Night King into coming to get me in the godswood and i just feel like the night king is smarter than that and that that plan is just going to go horrifically wrong for everybody involved and brand's going to pay the price for it and it would explain why he can't see anything after that event because he's fucking dead so yeah i'm we pretty know something happens in the gut in there because we've seen pictures or maybe it was in a trailer we saw uh, Theon pull his bow back, and it was a f- fire-lit arrow. So right. something attacks the godswood. John's on the ground. He's got tears in his eyes, a soot-smeared face. He's upset, and he's running towards something, swinging his sword. So, See, yeah, I think... know, like, John's not crying over Podrick or Grey Worm. You know what I mean? Theon. He would... Even Theon. I don't think he'd be I pretty think emotional would... over Theon. I, 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 would... I don't know necessarily, but I... I... Either way, I'm leaning I'm leaning pretty hard towards Bran dying. I think you just convinced me that Bran lives. And I'm not saying it to be a dick. I'm saying <laughs> right, that cool. because cause here's what you said. Oh, we just lost our biggest weapon, our 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 big gun. Okay, what the fuck has Bran done? I I agree <laughs> on a personal level. The same way I agree Sansa is not the the smartest person in the room, but that's what they told us. Okay, but what if? Bran hang is on, the hang on. Of all mankind, et cetera, et cetera. Fair enough. I, I'm, and I do believe that um, he plays an important role. He's basically the giver from the book, but <laughs> not the shitty movie. But uh, the 
the idea maybe that we haven't actually seen – I'm not trying to sound like a meme. We haven't seen him show his full power yet. That's true. That's absolutely so, true. he might come real close to dying, and in like a moment of fear or rage or whatever – uh, unleash you know some sort of powerful warging ability, you know against maybe even the ice dragon or some shit. Like I don't know, but like I I feel like we Brand hasn't done Jack, so his whole oh my god! Now I'm just realizing how mad I'll be if Brand if like Brand's like hey, I'm jojening myself, jojen. <laughs> Jojen helped get me to the because I had to be the three eyed raven. So Jojen knew that he was going to die there right. and took him there. Bran knows he's going to die in the courtyard and he gets there and the Night King doesn't show up or isn't defeated. Then the entire Bran storyline or like. Now why? I'm really fucking mad. If Bran yeah, dies, like, like that's episode, kind of a really satisfying. Yeah, his solution. whole arc would be for nothing because he goes out to become Three-Eyed Raven. His loses biggest accomplishment Jordan. is having a one terabyte memory, you know, and <laughs> taking over Hodor. So I just <laughs> and getting Hodor killed and some get it, yeah, and fucking up Willis. So I mean, I just I, <laughs> I think I think 100 percent that Bran is the one. If any of them are gonna die, I think it'll be Bran. But I, I honestly, now that I think about it, I'll be mad not because I'll miss Bran, but because he hasn't done Jack and I think big race. Yeah. So, all right. So let's, let's move on to, uh, Jamie and Tyrion. Um, I'm pretty, I'm pretty solid on Jamie. Mm, I think Tyrion dying would be a huge loss. It would be a game changer. Um, well, and Tyrion's going to be down in the crypts. And, and if you want to say Bran's going to have a hard time escaping, even though, you know, somebody could pick him up and carry him away. Think about Tyrion. I mean, he's not—he's he, not running on long legs. He's not really a survivor. He's kind of a thinker. So, or he—he he not kind of—he is a thinker. So, how does Tyrion escape the the battle for Winterfell? Smith, uh, I'm leaning the exact opposite of what you're saying. Um, I think Tyrion has shown that he's a survivor and that. If if it comes down to it, I think that he can manage somehow to get away. Not Would necessarily Tyrion like, abandon everybody and escape on his own. No, but I mean, even he, you know, he said last episode, "I fought before I can fight again." I feel like if it comes down to it, he'll lead some sort of escape from the crypts or the defense or something along those lines, um, and that him being down in the crypts will end up being uh, like a a stroke of luck kind of thing. Like, okay. you know what I mean? Like, good thing we had him down here. You so know, maybe there's a whole reason that Danny made a really huge deal about him being in the Crips. Yeah. And I just feel like he's got more, he's got more left to do and more scores to settle than, than Jamie does. I think we've seen, you know, with Jamie knighting Brienne, that he's come full circle. He's gotten out of Cersei's manipulative shit. And that he's kind of become his own person and he's for once he's fighting for something he believes in and he got to knight Brienne and I feel like if any uh, uh, of the two of them, I feel like Jamie has pretty much he's come full circle. He's had his redemptive arc. Like what else does he need to do to be redeemed at this point? Kill like I, Cersei. 
But see, Cersei never did the kind of shit to Jamie that she did to Tyrion. That's true. But and true. So, and so that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't feel like he has to go kill Cersei. I feel like his his redemption was leaving Cersei. And but breaking- here's the thing. Here's 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 where here's where I'm going with this. Uh, I've talked about this several times throughout the course of the series. Jamie's redemption arc doesn't have to end in the middle of the season. What if Jamie? continues his redemption maybe maybe the living wins this war right i don't care who wins i don't care who sits on the iron throne maybe it's denarius maybe it's john maybe it's fucking aria who cares i don't care whoever sits on the iron throne maybe jamie says i'm gonna go and f- i'm gonna helm the repair of the wall and i'm gonna become the new lord, lord commander of the night's watch oh, yeah I, I, I mean i again i don't necessarily think Jamie dies, but if of those two, I could see Jamie dying before Tyrion. I would love to see Jamie just retire to a farm with Brienne and they live quietly and Yeah, like I said about Tormund, that's that would be my my wonderful ending for them. But the fact is is that some people are gonna have to fucking die in this episode. And and the, yeah, the yeah. longer I go down the list, I'm realizing I'm not wanting to pick anybody because I don't want any of them to die. I right. don't want any of them either, but Brienne, let's get to Brienne. We talked about Jamie and Tyrion, hang on, right? Hang on. I, no, I didn't, and here's the thing. Okay. I don't know. Here's what I'll say about Jamie and Tyrion. One of them's going to die. Got to. They're very important to the story, and if you think one of the Starks dying is important, one of the fucking Lannisters dying is important as well. But think about what I, – I feel like there would be more power to Brienne showing up in King's Landing and telling Cersei how Jamie died than Jamie showing up and talking about – Brienne dying or something like that. So I I don't know. I'm on the fence. I feel like one of them. Yeah, I do agree. One of them has to die. Well, okay. So Brienne and Gendry. I wish Pod was beside Brienne because really I want to talk about him. But Gendry, eh? I feel like he's got story ahead of him, and really he hasn't been that important up until now. He's made a lot of the weapons, so he's important there. And who? Was it you, Phone, who said you heard or read something about him making the weapon that could kill Nike? Yeah, that's that's been a fun theory is that Gendry's going to make a Dragonstone. They're going to retreat to probably, uh, what, Dragonstone, I guess? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and he's going to forge, like, a nuclear bomb of a weapon out of dragon glass (laughs) that John's going to use to take down either the dragon or the Night King or something. And it's going to be a huge game changer, and that's going to be Gendry's, like, huge contribution and then he's made lord baratheon of storm's end for his for his contributions to the war right and house baratheon lives through gendry yeah and i also just feel like i don't know i feel like the deaths we're going to get in this episode are going to be ones that we feel and i mean if gendry dies like Eh. yeah i mean like oh that sucks but like i mean we've barely seen the guy through that since like season three or four or whatever it was when he went rowing. And so, I mean, like, do we really, are we really going to be heartbroken if Gendry dies? No. So. Arya will be. All right. Let's talk about, um, who else? Oh, the Hound. The Hound, I think, is a toss-up for me because we know how triggered he gets by fire. He let that fire polar bear, the white polar bear, kill um, uh, Thoros, the the priest, because he was scared of of the fire. So I'm wondering if the Hound freezes up during battle 
and dies. Bone, what do you think? I think that even though I just realized Barrick's not on this list. Um, I, I was looking for Barrick too. Yeah, yeah well, think, we can all agree he's dead. Barrick's dead. I think Barrick. Yeah. Di- I think Barrick dies helping the Hound get away, or them escaping, and he's gonna like help the Hound because I think well, the Hound what, has. Wouldn't you more think to play. a dead, uh, a ris- uh, a white version of the Hound chasing Arya through the through uh, Winterfell is totally fucking terrifying. Yeah, I mean that's actually that's a really good point too. I I personally I've got the Hound as living. I think that he not only with his brother because of the cryptic shit he said to him in King's Landing. I think that he has got a little bit more to play in the story. Yeah. But but I would not be surprised if he died. I'll be sad if he dies. But I wouldn't be surprised. I know Smith would be sad because that's his spirit animal. I would be sad. I think it would be an important death. But if they raised him back up to chase Arya down, that's even worse. Um, Theon, we can all pretty much agree, dies, right? He did. He's dead. He's he's finished his storyline. And his death would actually impact Sansa in a way now because we've seen them reunite and how close she is to him now. And their shared experiences at Ramsay's hands. His death would impact Sansa the most. And it would impact us, especially if we saw her face after she learned. Died, so. he, he basically told Yara in the first episode, "Be right back." So <laughs> I mean, BRB. Yeah, he's fucking dead, man. Like <laughs> he he's he's the one I feel most confident on this entire list, and it sucks because Alvy Allen is a fucking he's titan. a man. He's yeah. a titan on this fucking show. So and, underrated. Uh, and I mean, the only thing but... I'll say is that we we're only gonna be without him for three episodes after yeah. this. And I think we, we've talked about I think this character still has more to play. This character could do more. I'd be sad because Bran, I feel like, is incomplete. Theon dying, protecting Bran in Winterfell is a complete bow-on-it fucking story. Yeah, so, wrap it up. Yeah, wrap it up. I think that's, <laughs> I think that's Theon. Um, that's one of the more – it's wild to me because whenever he was getting tortured by Ramsay, I was like, where the fuck is this going? Like I <laughs> – had not read the books, so I had no clue what was going on. And uh, yeah, just seeing how this has really come full circle with Theon. Uh, yeah, credit to Alfie Allen and stuff. But yeah, I think that's really great. He got to save his sister. He got to you know avenge the Iron Islands somewhat. He, and now he gets to go to his second home, maybe his real home, Winterfell, and die defending it. And he's already re-earned the respect of the Starks, which yeah, is a yeah. hard thing to do. So that's a big thing. And if you guys, uh, you know, out there listening, if you really want to get the full impact of Theon dying on Sunday night, because I'm pretty much sure he's going to happen, go back to season two when Theon takes over Winterfell, and when he kills Sir Roderick. I said this in the last podcast. He he takes a few swings to cut off Sir Roderick's head. It's not a pretty death. And during that time, Bran is sitting on the side screaming and crying. Uh, the whole time, uh, and Maester Lewin's trying to calm everybody down. It's a pretty emotional scene for young for young Isaac Hempstead Wright and young Alfie Allen. And to come full circle now, where Theon is actually defending Bran, is just a huge, huge step. So that's going to be big. So let's move on. Um, we can talk about uh, Samwell. Um, I, I, at the beginning of the season, I would have said this is 100% live through this battle. But they made a big deal about him staying out of the crypts and fighting. Um, and he gave heart spaying to Jor- Jorah. So what do you guys feel about Sam? 
I say I say he lives. Me too. I, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure he lives. I'm pretty sure just his name alone, Samwell, implies <laughs> that he'll make it to the end. I just yeah. I just feel like he's one of those characters that they've been grooming to sort of like change the way Westeros is, works. Yeah. You know, post post Night King and post Noble yeah. Noble House, right? People respect the house, even right. and and he's uh full of empathy and well read. And traveled Correct. and all exactly. that, and and I so, think that yeah. he, you know, he's going to be. Plus, he's proof. He's proof that John is Aegon Targaryen. Yeah, but even more than that, I, I mean, because I, I don't think I do think after this episode, I would not be surprised if they never tell everybody that. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I I think Samwell lives. The next name on the list, though, you want to talk about arrow dagger in the heart. Yeah. Davos. Yeah, I think oh. Davos, I think he's done so and, and oh. I, I got him as dead on mine and that's gonna that's that's gonna that's gonna leave a mark. Especially after his little scene with not Shireen in this last episode. I went back and I had to do the screen cap recap, which uh Corey Smith, thank you so much for bequeathing that to me this season. Um, yeah, no problem. I was <laughs> and so I watched the episode and I screen cap as I go. They played and that little girl with the scar on her face is talking to Davos and Gilly. They played Shireen's song from the first time we meet her in season two when she's teaching Davos how to read. That, that whole, I know, I know, I know, I know. They play that song very subtly as Davos is looking at that girl. And my heart just ripped to fucking pieces. So if Davos dies in this battle, um, it's it's – He's a he's a he's a he's a fan favorite, right? He's a, he's everybody's grandfather. Like on the in the books, uh, Barristan is Sir Grandfather. I call Davos Sir Grandfather. Like if he dies, I'm gonna be very upset. So you guys are pretty much agree that Davos is going down. Yeah, yeah. I hate to say it, but I mean, in his I mean, arc, he's never been he's never been much of a fighter. Yeah, and I mean this wrong time to not be a fighter. So yeah, Tormund, Tormund. Phone, he's your man. Does he make it out? I have Tormund as living, and I'm not changing it, and I'm committing to it, and it will be so. <laughs> <laughs> you will will this to happen. Yeah, I, I 100% can see him dying. It would be uh, a huge death. I think, and I think I mentioned it earlier, the two bits of plot armor that he has is, one, he is the only wildling with a name at this point. And I granted, you know, someone when I said someone else once, they were like, yeah, well, they got us to care about Carsey in like two minutes. And I was like, shut the fuck up. So, <laughs> but the, the second the second reason is, is I do feel like the wildlings are going to have a role to play in post King yes. Westeros. I agree. And they, they're going to I think they're going to be given a very nice. Very nice, like very nice. A lot of land with a castle, and Tormund's gonna be their leader. And I know that sounds like fan service BS, but at the same time, like John owes them. Whoever's left when it's all said and done, the, not just John, the kingdom of Westeros owes yes. the Wildlings a huge debt. Mm-hmm. And there's probably still shitloads more of them north of the Wall, hiding. Yeah. Hiding, yeah, and so going and getting them saying, hey, we actually have a castle now. Fuck, man. Like, North of the Wall is the safest place right now. You're not wrong. All the, everybody's gone. Uh, where where aren't the White Walkers going? That's where I'm going. 
Anyway, so I'm, I I would not be surprised if he died. I will be upset, and I hope he lives. How's that? Okay, okay. Jorah, dead. Yeah, yeah. he's online as dead, yeah. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's like, Theon's 100%, Jorah's 99 like, <laughs> and it's gonna be a it's gonna be a beautiful fucking brave. He's probably gonna do it saving somebody. Uh, probably even might even do it saving Daenerys if she's on the ground at some point. It'll be a, like it'll be screaming Khaleesi as he does it. But I think fun. I think um somebody I saw somebody just say the perfect ending for Jorah would be to be to die saving Lyanna and. Oh. And to oh, like even so turn beautiful. and say, to even turn and say, you know, like you are the future of our house, not me. You need to get out of here. And he turns around, gets a real here. He maybe even says, "Here I stand" one more time, oh. and like cuts down some whites, and maybe even takes down a White Walker. He's got a Valyrian steel sword. He's a oh, hell he's of a fighter. For sure. Dude, he's for sure taking a White Walker. Yeah, down. so That's I, why they I him think him and some. Bear, you know, it'd be great if we get like a moment where. Like Jorah and three other dudes from Bear Island, like just straight up oh. Sparta 300 themselves in like a corridor, Barristan oh Selmy style, and just take down like a metric fuck ton of whites and a White Walker or something to save a lot of people, including Liana. I think that is how Jorah could go down and really would just, again, talk about a bow on it like we did with Theon. <laughs> That's a bow on it for Jorah. He dies serving his queen and his house in his homeland. Perfect. <laughs> Awesome, amazing, and it would be super fucking emotional. Sorry, emotional, yeah, yeah. Very. So let's talk about the last two on this list: Masande and Grey Worm. I honestly think there are two different scenarios here. So, <laughs> so Masande and Grey Worm talked about going to Noth, right after this whole thing was over, and everybody's. It's easy to say that Grey Worm, being at the head of the Unsullied Army, dies, right? He's mm-hmm. out in the front lines. But what if? The most heartbreaking thing ever is Grey Worm takes her body back to Nath because she dies in this episode. Her, it wouldn't be her body, it'd be her ashes. If he's going to oh, get her yeah. body out there, he's going to burn her. Yeah. I think I, at first, and Smith, you're probably, I bet Smith agrees with you and me, David. At first, I was like, yeah, Masande lives, Grey Worm dies. And, you know, that's the end of that. And and honestly, I'm not trying to be a dick. This has been a love story that I just really haven't given much of a shit about. So I don't care that much. <laughs> but the someone else, I think it might have been on Reddit, was like super heartbreaking would be Masande dying in the crypts, Grey Worm living, taking her ashes, or just like after it's all said and done, taking the Insulied back home because, you know, they – aren't from Westeros and they've served their queen and their free men. Some will stay, some will go. They'll go back to Noth or whatever it's called and like like protect their defenders, right? Yeah, because protect her, it for her people can't her people can't fight for themselves. His people do and they'll protect them. Oh my God. We just solved that mystery. <laughs> Smith, you agree? Uh yeah, I mean that makes a lot of sense. I uh, I don't know. Some uh, it might just be the simplest one though. I mean I always yeah. Talk about wanting to go to Tokyo. So you want to Occam's Razor this bitch? Okay. Yeah. Fine. I mean, I don't know. Like, oh, we're gonna go back to Noth, and all right, cool. That sounds fun, but like, it just, <laughs> I don't see it happening. I, I mean, I think Grey Worm is 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 a goner for the reasons that yeah, he's in the front lines, and they're gonna get fucked up, and I I, I just don't okay. see it. Before we finish this podcast for the night, I do want to say a couple of things. Can we can we all agree that every Dothraki 
is going to die in this episode. Like, every one of the fucking... <laughs> and it's going to be badass. Like, they're going to ride their horses in, stand on their saddles. But as soon as they get, like, halfway through, the whites are going to come up against the White Walkers, and they're just going to be chopped into a fucking million pieces, right? I, I don't mean, know. I, my thing is, as I, I don't know... I don't know that much about, like medieval era battle planning like the era of the knights but it seems like putting your horses in the middle like is dumb i think they're supposed <laughs> to like ride in right like they're supposed to be used as flanking like you can't but the thing is you can't flank a hundred thousand no dead. you can't so what are you gonna do i'm gonna go behind them okay cool <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> so, i don't know I, I do think that they're going to be, you know, they're going to fight hard for sure. We'll get some nice, we'll get one more scene of them in an open field. But, you know, the thing is, I, I'm I know, open field, Ned. I know there's that one Cal Faco that probably has a name, <laughs> but I don't know it. So I don't really care. Cal Pogo Stick. Cal Pogo right. Stick. <laughs> okay, one more person, one, one more name I want to talk about real quick, and we are going to wrap it up. Ghost, live or die. Dies. Yeah, dies. I mean, and, and Nymeria. Dime, if, okay, does Nymeria show up, Smith? Yes. Yeah, I think Nymeria is how they get get away. Yes, thank you. Oh, Nymeria yes. Love it. Awesome. I, you... I, yeah, I think Nymeria shows up with the wolf pack at the last fucking second and buys them time, <laughs> just like Summer bought uh, <laughs> Brand time. Mm-hmm. You know, and ended up dying when when they were escaping the cave of the Three Eyed Raven. I think Nymeria shows up, distracts them long enough, but doesn't get away herself. I think Ghost makes it because Nymeria shows up, and he like he's the last wolf to like leave and leave with the group. Maybe he like makes it out. If, I have to if, I have to have hope because I love my little ghost. What if Bran wargs into Ghost? Fuck yes. Yeah, he uses Ghost. Yeah, there you go. Right before he dies, he wargs into he wargs into ghost, and that's how the three eyed raven lives. Woo. Okay. Well, listen, guys, this has been a fun podcast. This has been our preview for episode eight hundred three. This episode still fucking has no name. Thanks HBO. That's what should be your in your Deadpool art. <laughs> but um, we're hoping that it lives up to the hype. So it's eighty minutes, and Avengers Endgame is three hours. So get your depends. And uh, prepare not to move at all for uh, a long time this weekend. But um, we want to hear what you have to think. Let us know who you think lives or dies in your own little Deadpool. And we'll talk about it in the comments below and on Twitter. And so for myself, Corey Smith, and Corey Phone, and for all the ones that we know we're going to lose this Sunday. Alarm bullets, you guys. Alarm bullets. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
Get everything for your next project today at Menards and save big money. Keep your walls and trim protected while you paint with Scotch Blue Painter's Tape. It's designed for use on multiple surfaces and can be removed easily without leaving residue behind. Say big on Scotch Blue Painter's Tape from Menards. Also, view our weekly flyer on Menards.com and check out all of our great deals happening this week. Save big.